I know. That's exactly how I feel about every raclette night. I hate raclette. I don't get the trend. Everyone invites us to do raclette, and I always want to say no. I personally am one of those guys, you know. If, if I weren't in the industry myself, I probably wouldn't watch German comedies, to be honest. I think Tom Schilling, the, 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 the main character of Goldfish, warned me about this and he said, Look, this was a great experience and everything, and we'll, you know, everyone loves you now. But you know, just, just, uh, just to let you know, your second uh, film is not going to be like that. Nice. Okay. Um, so, uh, guys, welcome back to another episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. We have a very special, special guest today, someone I've looked forward to having back on the program for a very long time. I think it's been it's been over a year since the first time we spoke, but ladies and gentlemen, Ali Reza Golafshan. Hi. I, I think it's more than a year, but I lost my sense of time during the pandemic. So I think a lot of people did. So uh, I don't know, maybe it's three years. It was three or four years ago. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was before the uh, pandemic. It's crazy. It was, it must, uh, yeah. I think it's over two years. Yeah. yeah I remember 2019. Uh, us, us taking pictures and all being very close to each other. Yeah, so it must have been no before mask. the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. The, the strange before times. Um, no, but we were just talking like a little bit before we started about how um, doing like doing things like this, meetings or interviews or podcasts and stuff, it's just become so convenient to do over Zoom because, you know, technically we could have found, you know, maybe it was it would have been more difficult, but we could have found a pocket of time to all meet at the studio and do it uh, in person. But because of everyone's different schedules and because of how we've adjusted to home life uh, through the pandemic, it, it it's just easier sometimes to to do it um, like this. It's, it's it's especially easier if if we you know if people already know each other. I think it's a little bit difficult, more dif- difficult if if it's, if it was the, it would be the first time. You know, if when the pandemic started, everyone was like, okay, this is gonna change everything no one's gonna go back to the office you know like never again and now people you know and i think they underestimated the the base that they had you know from from the years working together in an office and then now that new people are starting off in in the office they they kind of feel um they don't have that feeling with you know the digital connection and everything so i think there's people are going back to yeah, but let's see how it develops. But for us, it's 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 quite convenient, I think, so because we know we have met, <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, yes, we've we've we've, it, we've yeah. been through it before. Yeah, um, th- there was a couple there was a couple of different experiences I had to do over Zoom during the pandemic that didn't really fit, like didn't really work for me. I told Mo about one of them last week, but uh, one of them was a concert that I was asked to perform via Zoom pretty early on in the pandemic, maybe like, you know, June, early summer of 2020 or something. And I really, really, I wouldn't say like I regretted that, but I just would never have done that again. It was, um, you know, there's no interaction with the audience. You you have this weird speaker view where you don't even see anybody really. And then the audio doesn't like, I, I performed with this other artist who tried to get her vocal effects and her guitar effects to go 
to be, you know, X, like to be the output that the audience hears on their computers, but we couldn't figure it out. So she was playing there with her reverb and whatever her delays. And the audience was still just hearing like a pure guitar and a flat vocal through this. And it just didn't work. And anyway, a lot of things over Zoom these days, but some things work, some things don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But let's talk about you. Let's talk about you because that's um, that's what the people are here for. Um, Dude, so we had the pleasure back in 2019 to talk about your breakout. This That was your debut feature, correct? The Goldfish, goldfish? yeah. yeah. It was uh, the first Uh, feature length uh, film that day. Right. Yeah. And it, you know, was released to, you know, wide successful acclaim and it did very well and everyone loved it. I personally loved it and uh, it was really fun to talk about it. Now you have a new, a new movie out now called JGA or JGA and let's talk about that one a little bit. Yeah. Um, where did you, do you want to talk a little bit about in, in layman's terms what it's, uh, what it's about for people who haven't seen it yet? Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it's, uh, for people who have seen it, uh, it started, uh, it had a theatrical release in March uh, and it's not playing in theaters anymore, I think. I, I think it's, it's uh, so you have to wait till it's on the, some platform or release on DVD or Blu-ray if anyone has a Blu-ray player these days i don't know but so that's just the you know technical information but it's about jga is a german uh, uh how do you say abkürzung uh, ek, uh like the initials the initials for yeah for junggesellenabschied which is a hen party in, in as the british say uh, or um yeah what what you do before before the wedding how do you say in america you oh don't say God, hen party i didn't I think. get that Right, I think the Americans have a, a yeah, well, different word for hen. I know some Brits. Yeah, they 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 say like stag do and hen do. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but the Germans they 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 don't say like Junggesellinnen Abschied, right? They don't do the yeah this uh, not no not not really. Most most people just say Junggesellenabschied because I don't know. There's just swallow a syllable. I don't know, but actually they have they do. And there is this shorter form which is JGA. And which in this case also stands for the uh, first uh, uh, initials of the three main characters, Yasmin, Gina, and Anna, three single uh, ladies in their mid-30s who are kind of left out uh, and because everyone else in their, uh, you know, of the friends are, have, are getting married or have to, are having babies and everything. And, you know, the, the friendships are you know, feel kind of different. And if the movie starts with how Yasmin, our main character, organized this, uh, this hand party for a good friend of hers, and they surprise her at the door. And uh, they're just these three girls because everyone else couldn't make it, be, be, couldn't make it because of, you know, the baby wouldn't uh, sleep without her mom and so on. And uh, now this uh, hand party even uh, doesn't really take off because Helena, the bride-to-be, confesses that she's pregnant and she can't drink so and she wants to be picked up by her husband and then our three main characters are left with like nothing just the plans to go to Ibiza actually with the bride-to-be but now they decide to go anyway because fuck those uh, (laughs) 
like uh, fuck the haters <laughs> fuck the haters yeah <laughs> like they say okay you know we, let's do what we're what we can do actually and there's this ambivalence because they actually kind of wish they would also have families and maybe uh, you know a right. good a good uh you know partner or maybe even kids or so on but they don't have it and they say like you know we don't need it anyway and they go to to Ibiza and uh, continue the right. hand party anyway, even without the bride. And then, then the actual, actual story starts because Yasmin is single for a long time, for eight years, because she still uh, couldn't, can't... Um, uh, she's kind of hung up on her ex. Yeah, right? she's hung up on her ex, Tim. And she in Ibiza, she meets Tim, who is also there for his um, uh, stack night. His bachelor party. A bachelor party, yeah. yes. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. where, and she pretends to to be the bride to be because she doesn't want to confess that she's still single and hung up on him. And from that lie, uh, right. you know, the story develops and it becomes more weird and everything. So it's the, the humor is a little bit different. I think it's for people who who like cringe humor or and things like that because many things go mm -hmm. wrong and they have the. I think we have one of the most embarrassing striptease scenes uh, <laughs> that you can make <laughs> yeah. in the film so it's <laughs> a, they, from from the from the tone great. it's a little different than than the goldfish and um yeah it, but it's still uh, mm -hmm. a, you know a comedy but a little bit different that you would expect because a lot of people told me yeah it's about so it's about this uh you know it's like a hangover kind of thing and it's not it's really more uh closer to bridesmaids or even you know some judd apato right. movies more characters characters are in the foreground and they're like personal or uh, subjective uh drama so there's uh there's no yeah. tiger in the hotel room or anything like that <laughs> 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 no you can really you can really really see the influence or the um the inspiration from a, from a film like bridesmaids yeah. in this definitely Definitely. And um, uh, I personally just wanted to to thank you for uh, once again giving giving us the opportunity to watch it with with English subtitles. That's really, 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 really helpful and cool. And uh, I hope they were OK, to, uh, um, you know, the, the, the you studios. Know. Yeah, because totally. Yeah. yeah. There, you know, there was um, like really uh, what's so hard about with comedy, especially in German, is some things just don't technically translate the same that you know what i mean like some just very small like words or phrases just are meant to be said in german yeah so there was only a couple of small things obviously i, I you know i had watched it with ify and uh she because she wanted to to see it too and she yeah. there's only a couple of things where i was like that's funny they said this but the translation would be like i don't know someone like there was one time they said a word but the translation was steven mnuchin Mm -hmm. And I went, that's strange. They didn't say Steven Mnuchin, but yeah, yeah. they said a word. And she's like, oh, yeah, but they mean this. She's like, don't worry about it. That's what that means. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. okay, 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 okay. <laughs> no, but it's really, really, it was really great. And there was no hiccups at all. And it, the humor translated, uh, most importantly, the humor still translated really well. Um, and it's very funny. I feel stupid because I didn't know that Jotke asked it for Yonkizen Afshi. But of course it does. <laughs> <laughs> but I have one more question re regarding the subtitles because I think this is an interesting thing and I don't know so much about it like with with German films like German comedy movies like you just put two out recently with making it ready for an international audience is it something that is planned like okay we're right away we're gonna 
take care of English subtitles and maybe an English dubbing, or we do nothing at all and see how it like performs in Germany and then see if we'll do anything of that. Well, it's, it it's, it's different each time. I think I don't even I don't even remember why we have English subtitles. I think we we try to submit it to 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 festival uh, some at some point or something. Maybe that's the reason. And usually, you know. Uh, the production company doesn't invest too much time or money into to the English subtitles if there is no outpost like there's going to be an English release or international release if there's that's why I'm asking if the subtitles were okay because I think they were just made like um, in two days or something so just to to get the main idea across so I think if if we would have a you know no it's great international release I think we would look into it uh, furthermore and try to try to you know fix it do the jokes and everything and see if, if, if things are working fine sure. but it's a different each time so i think there is actually no need for german uh, uh film to have english subtitles and i'm always uh curious why they don't even if there is like with the goldfish we had english subtitles with that film but they didn't include it on the dvd and the blu-ray i don't know if there are like legal issues or anything like that uh, or what why they do it but that's um, strange because a lot of people ask me if they can have a DVD and uh, but you know who, but they don't speak German and say sorry that the English subtitles aren't right. included but we have them so I don't know right so it's, that's that that was strange too I mean I remember talking about that when we uh, when we when we first talked about you know a, a possible screening of the of the goldfish and you said actually that they had the English subtitles because it was on playing on a flight was it on a, on a Delta flight or something right yeah yeah I think Yotkia is at the, the moment Lufthansa also playing at Lufthansa or something like that as uh, I see I saw Instagram right. posts uh, yeah but then maybe that's the reason why they I they, think. Uh, they do English subtitles, yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And w what's interesting to me, because I've, as the as the non-native German speaker in the group, I've always, from the day one of moving here, had a sort of an issue with the lack of possib possibilities for subtitles with German content. Because, I mean, you have great German content that... that doesn't necessarily need need it like it blends both languages like unorthodox or everyone loves dark or yeah. um or that there's a few others like breaking even like shows like this that kind of that well that doesn't share their languages but anyway shows that do and you don't really need it sometimes it works just fine but i've always been very interested in film and television and uh, that's the, the, the you know departments i've always uh, like studied and, and worked in and there's so much content from people in Munich, especially that I've met personally, like yourself, or people that I've wanted to see. Oh, oh, that's that producer that you met at that at mm. the a screening. Oh, that's what this. Oh, this is his movie. Let's see if we can watch his movie to get an idea of people and what they do and their creativity. And and ninety nine percent of the time, if not almost a hundred percent of the time, unless it's a very very internationally well known successful movie. It just doesn't have the option for yeah. subtitles in any other language. Because I want to see it in original German. I, I don't want dubs or anything. But to see the subtitles, like... And I know so many people, too. Uh, I have a lot of, uh, obviously, international friends that I know here. And a lot of them have the same issue. They say, we would watch so much more, uh, like, German films or, or, or German series, like, to try this and try that. Yeah. But there's no chance for English subtitles. Like even this show Wrong that we just put out, mm -hmm. um, which I had the pleasure of doing the music on, I know what they're doing because I've seen the episodes so many times. 
And of course, if you wrote a couple of them, I know what's happening and I really get most of what's going on. But I really can't share it with too many international friends because they would it would really help them to get the jokes if there's like a little of course, yeah. help at the bottom. Um, but I never understood why that wasn't... Like when it goes... Let's say it goes to like Netflix or Apple. When, and if the film goes to Netflix or Apple, it feels like, you know, you'd have the... They'd be like, okay, well, we need some subtitles for different things here. Yeah, because, I mean, it has some legal issues here because Netflix is always, um, when it's their own production, original production, they have it available on every country that they're streaming to. So you have a German Netflix show like Dark and they're going to release it in, I don't know, 160 countries. So they're very... Uh, uh, you know, of course, they want to have s subtitles in many languages, as many languages as possible, or even dubbed versions. And there was a that was a show that was dubbed uh, for for English audiences, American audiences. And uh, like when it's released to a platform that's just you know it's shown in Germany and even in Amazon, like Amazon don't do it. So they have German productions for an Amazon Prime that are only released in Germany. So they don't. They don't include uh, English subtitles for that, and um, they don't see the necessity for German. That's that's the way they think, I guess. So um, it's always bothered me because when I go to France, they have the you know there's you know it's this cineast country, of course, and they have when you go shopping for DVD collections and Blu-ray collections, they have uh, amazing amazing boxes and collections. So you you know like things that you've never seen you know, like they have the complete filmography of someone in a beautifully designed box and uh, the french usually don't have uh, english subtitles either so e either it's you know like american movies like if it's a hitchcock box or anything you can buy it but if it's a eric romer or whatever box it, it, you know I, I hold it in my hands and i see just okay it's a beautiful collection of every eric romer movie that he ever, has ever made but no english subtitles and uh, but that's for other reasons i guess in france than in germany sorry yeah maybe i guess maybe that's for other story. reasons in, I france. Think in, fr in france is even worse than here you know because because we, actually german people are, are are interested in you know having their work shown to you know, or you know include it whatever but yeah i think i hope it's going to change because we're going because english is becoming more and more important in, in german society too and i think uh, sooner or later, yeah. man. Absolutely, I, I, I personally hope it changes for obvious reasons. But like, even when you just hear how German is shifting, like post millennial generation into Gen Z, you kind of hear these people from thirties down to teens using so much more English in their German than that you would ever imagine that they would. Like, I hear it all the time just passing down the street they'll say they'll start a sentence in german maybe it's talking about a date that went bad and then they'll use like they'll um exaggerate how they feel using an english idiom they'll say something like something 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 the day went so well and i thought to myself oh my god what an asshole and then they go back to you know or whatever but that's, yeah or even the word i mean i think cringe really was like the word of the year or so like uh, yeah. last year i think is when it's, you know uh, yeah, because right. there is this concept. Because you know, in, of course, yeah, American um, films and shows are you know everywhere, and you know we get. And language has always been you know cultural thing, and I think this, you know, it's more about the concept of something than the word. Because I always think, well, we have a word for 
we could have a German word for for cringe or whatever, you know. But it's not about the word; it's about the concept, and the concept was shown in, you know, in American movies or, or TV shows first. So that's why that's why German right. has no chance to compete with uh, with those concepts coming from from the media and and stories that that we see. But getting um, b- back to France here, a little fun fact: Did you know about the 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 Ministry for Neologisms in France? Mm-hmm. They get like an yeah ministry or an official state-run institute that has to find new words when like new English terms come in yeah. because they just don't want to take the really the English word. So I don't know. The computer came out and they found the word l'ordinateur. Uh, just because they don't want to use an English word there. <laughs> Well, so that's, that's funny French because words. <laughs> when I was still in Iran, I think 1997 or something, the, the uh, Iranian government started the same thing. They, they you know, in, initialized the ministry or something. I don't know, just an office to to come up with like fax or co- computer. And it was the time where, especially because of the technology that was, you know, coming and importing imported into the country and everything had the you know english name they started coming up with silly new names and at that time everyone laughed at it but you know now i i have a different different feeling about it because it <laughs> it has become so you know it's it there's just too much it's not just the computer and the you know and the fax machine or something that has this english uh, name it's like if you uh if you just let it you know I, I kind of understand that now. I think it's not just because of patriotism, but, you know, just to keep some sort of language alive, and if, even though it's through artificial, uh, you know, tools here, like, like you know, coming up with uh, with new words, which is silly, you know, it's just a silly, silly job, I think, just to sit down and think, okay. <laughs> but I don't know how the German word Rechner, which is computer, came, came, um, came about, so... I was wondered if Rechner. Yeah, they say we say Rechner, we don't say computer. We say uh c- calculator. Funny, basically. I think I never <laughs> even in the in the in the German language books that I studied since I moved here, they say der Computer. Yeah, it's yeah. also a thing. Yeah. So actually Yeah, we can, you can you can say computer, yeah, der Computer. But, but but Rechner is I think I don't know. I think Rechner is more common, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I feel so as well. But like, like I, oh, funny. I, think, okay. I think when it comes to, to, to this, Germany is pretty easy. Just describe things by what they do. Flugzeug, thing that flies. Right. Calculator, yeah, thing is machine that calculates. <laughs> That's... Wait, say the last thing you said again? Calculator, like thing that calculates. Right, right. Now that, that, that is actually really funny how it does... Uh... Sorry, I'm just upgrading this... Um... Zoom while we talk quickly because I forgot that I didn't do that and it was like this meeting will end in ten minutes. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> please don't do that. Um, but I, I this thing about France um, creating the creating a word just to not use the English word I think is so it's it's almost rude. <laughs> but I totally get it. Um, but no, most importantly is Yadkia. Um, so JGA. You know, I I really enjoyed the movie, and it was really funny. And like you said earlier, when you were describing it, it's it is a different style and a different type of humor from uh, from the goldfish. And yeah, I had some questions about it because it was so interesting. This meeting now has unlimited minutes. Yeah, yeah, baby. 
Okay. So now that that's out of the way, how, uh, talking about, because you, you wrote and directed both. There's a lot of, a lot of work and love and time that goes into, uh, not only writing a film, but directing a film. And with the goldfish, I want to talk a little bit about the writing process alone first. Ver- goldfish versus uh, JGA. Which one was took the took longer to get just right, and how was it comparably uh, in terms of the struggle to get a finished script done? Well, I think the challenges were different, but I think the goldfish took a bit longer, or 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 actually quite a, quite a bit longer, I think. The Goldfish started as just an assignment for me to write a screenplay because I was just out, not even out. I was still studying, I think, at the university here in uh, Munich. And they said, and uh, the producer, Justina uh, Musch, saw my latest film, which was a 40 40 minutes, uh, like a film school uh, short film. And she said, well, I like the tone and how you handled the, the subject of, you know, disability. And she had an idea for, you know, big budget mainstream comedy with a, you know, about disability. And she said, just give it a try. You know, paper is cheap, so it's easy to start as a writer in the business. So they say, okay, just 10 pages. You start usually as with an expose and it's paid okay, you know, and if it's uh, not going anywhere, you just say goodbye and say, okay, that didn't work out. But she really liked the expose and the next step is usually what we call a treatment. Uh, it's a bit longer, like 20 to sometimes even 40, 50 pages where there it's mm-hmm. not a script yet so there's no dialogue but you know you get the whole you, you know story fleshed it's all out all the beats yeah right? every beat is in it so you get you know you basically the next step you can easily start writing a screenplay and i think we we, we quite you know with go, with the goal which we're looking for you know because it's a it's a different story in terms of because there is a lot of plot in it because there is all, all the one on the one hand you have this story of this uh investment banker having his own private crisis that you know after accident uh not being too able to walk again um and on the other hand you have this comedy story about he trying to save his uh money from a swiss bank account and everything so when you when it comes to plot so you have a lot of more possibilities it could go that way you know what can go wrong here or thinking about different comedy pieces and what could be the ending be and and so on and uh, so we were you know trying different uh routes i think with the goldfish and we had the time so and especially if because um it was not a you know a film by so and so so you know there is no there was no like a uh, brand on it that you know everyone was not like okay say let's go so the only thing that you know gave the the, the whole project was a script you know so they had to send it to, to the cast and right. everything had to be convinced just by the script because no one knew me or uh, or whatever and it was not like a, a franchise movie or anything so it was just the script so we took our time right. back then for the goldfish to get the script right and i think it was one and a half year or so we, we worked on the script and um after finishing that makes sense yeah, yeah. after finishing the goldfish i i wrote um a treatment for uh yotke 
And uh, after that, so, so you already had the the idea brewing. The idea is you already had the idea. Yeah, the idea brewing? for it guys older than the goldfish. Actually, a friend of mine who's uh, who also Isabel really? Haug, who also produced this film, she had the, this idea to make a German comedy about this uh, with that setting of Junge sein Abschied, you know, with a with a hand party. And she had already some a, a different story, uh, and she gave it to me and said, "Have a look and give me some feedback." And I and I and I read the story and I said, "Well, I I really like this the setting and your main character. I don't know what that was exactly." And say said, uh, "But I have a different vision. Uh, would would it be okay for you to 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 try to you know to make a story together for something?" And then we tried. It was still a different story than it is now. And I think it was a bit uh, too high concept or too conceptual, and we didn't get anywhere. It was a little bit. Uh, we tried. We tried really hard to be mainstream, and I think that was the problem mm -hmm. with the with the, with the story back then that it didn't have really soul or anything. So we just put it back in the shelves. Right. And uh, some I don't know when that was. You know, a year after or so, I was. It was like you know 11 p.m just you know i was sitting watching tv or something and then suddenly an image came to my mind and i saw these three girls sitting at the döner kebab uh imbis and you know uh having the tragedy you know after after losing this uh party and you know all hope and you know with satsiki around the mouth corners and everything and i suddenly had some sort of backbone, you know, tragedy as a backbone for a comedy. And I think that was was missing before that. It was just, you know, a high concept comedy idea, but there was no real drama or 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 tragedy for the characters. And that was the initial moment for, you know, for this uh, uh, story that we we've made into a film now. And I think that from from that, I, it went quite fast. I think we I started writing the script in January 20. Uh, 20 and we started shooting in uh, late summer and I'm guessing um, you know do you think that um, like when you had the idea you know pre-goldfish were you this tends to happen a lot with with albums uh, with artists and their albums and filmmakers and their films did you have sophomore film jitters like were you a bit nervous about how it would perform against this fantastic successful, a debut film well as you were making it yeah, were you worried it's, it's uh, funny i mean because, everyone's nervous because about because, it, because it's funny because yeah it, there is this term for that some i think in, in the from the from the music industry is that is like the second album is always the shittiest or something like that right i i, I <laughs> well like there's there's a couple there's a couple of expressions my favorite one and this works for films too is, is that uh but i'll say it for albums you have your whole life to make your first album you have eight months to make your second. Yeah. That's the expression, you know, because like the label timeline. But it's also the same with film. Usually you have your whole life to make that first great film. And then did you did you feel any pressure from people well, to get JGA going and rolling? Yeah, well, that's funny because I've I've been warned about this even even during shooting the first one because, the you know, everything went great and everyone was so happy with the cast and, and Tom... I think Tom Schilling, the, 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 the main character of Goldfish, warned me about this and he said look this was a great experience and everything and we'll you know everyone loves you now but you know just just uh just to let you know your second uh, film is not going to be like that 
And I said, well, we see about that. Old <laughs> words. Like, no, it was, he said it as a <laughs> he friend. Told he told Tom was like, Let's He was see. like very, you know, as a friend, he told me, don't, don't, don't get too excited. Like, yeah. it's not going to be this the whole time because, you know, it was very euphoric in a way. Sure. The first experience. But it didn't feel that way at all. The yeah. second feature, I think, is more my first is more my debut than was my first because the first the goldfish mar was started as an assignment it was not the my first mm. album that i was working on my whole life you know it was just something that uh, I, I got lucky to say okay do you want to do this and i said well i don't know if i can you know because you know comedy i don't know this kind of comedy is usually i've never tried it before so let's give it a chance i, I you know I, I i saw it as an opportunity to like a film school thing, you know, just 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 the extension of the film school. I said, okay, I mean, what a better chance to go for it for some, you know, big big mainstream comedy here and to to try it out. And then, you know, with that for for the second for the second film, there was of course not just a script, but then okay, this guy who had who has already made uh, you know a successful comedy in Germany so there were I had more freedom and there were more trust in okay if you say um, the scene with the strippers going to work then just go ahead like that okay so there was more I think more of a in terms of style a more personal film the second one so um, actually the pressure that you're talking about I think I feel it more with the third one because uh, now I'm doing my that makes sense. My yeah. second film in my own style, so uh, it's the third, the, the third film. So I'm more nervous about the third one, especially because uh, Jotkia didn't do so well at the box office uh, because of you know the pandemic, the war, and the good weather, and maybe of course other reasons that that's whatever. But you know we didn't have a very you know very good start with 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 that compared to to the goldfish you know and you know cinema or you know, sure, is sure, struggling sure. at the moment um in general and we you know definitely we, I think we're part of, of, of uh, yeah whole new yeah situation with uh, you, uh how people you know what people want to really see in theaters and are willing to go out and pay right. like 10 euros for for a ticket yeah I, I think releasing any film in the cinema right now is still kind of a risk, even for bigger films. I mean, with Jotke, uh, uh, that, that, that is a risk because, you know, I think with The Goldfish especially, you had, you, I mean, you have Tom Schilling who can kind of pull, pull more strangers in to say, oh, well, I like him. Let's see what this new film is. But with Jotke, uh, the three lead actresses, they aren't super well known, right? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, Luisa Haya uh, is um, she won a uh, Lola, which is like the German Academy uh, Award or something like that for 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 a performance two or three years ago. She's well known for for dramas, and she uh, and um, but I think yeah i can't say how how popular she is it's always hard to measure you know it's hard to say hard to say but yeah. she's she's uh she's not a newcomer or anything so she's she's quite well known but she's not okay. a not a brand for comedy like uh like and also i think tom schilling also was not a you know brand for comedy but i think you know what i like about this type kind of casting is because you know in germany people are very cautious when they hear it's ah it's a german comedy they go like well okay that's probably not for me then right so <laughs> i guess i 
I personally am one of those guys, you know, if, if I weren't in the industry myself, I probably wouldn't watch German comedies, to be honest. And um, so with casting... And why is that? Well, because, you know, Germany had great comedians, but it was, it's it's a long time ago. Like, I really liked Loriot, I don't know if you're familiar with that, uh, or, or the uh, great Bavarian comedian, uh, Gerhard Polt. But, you know, it's a you know a couple of decades ago. So since then, nothing really interesting happened. And they, they've done a few really hor horrible comedies. So the, the cliche of, you know, uh, Germans not having a sense of humor, you know, is kind of it's kind of there with, you know, I can I can show you some German <laughs> comedies that would make you cry, you know, in a way it's, they're so bad. So that's. And, and people, I can imagine yeah, it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the sad part is that some of them were quite successful. So they had like sometimes four or five sure. or six million uh, viewers in, in Germany. And so they have their audiences with those uh, really stupid comedies. So that's that's why a lot of people, you know, also Germans, of course, they say, but that's not my kind of. So even in Germany, there is this, uh, uh, you know, caution you know or what, what is uh, you know hesitation when 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 there's the brand german comedy on it you have to really convince people yeah who are afraid you know to get uh you know to see a really stupid film that it's going to be are... different trust me this one and <laughs> and that's why we right i was gonna ask do you feel do you feel like with your films that you're pushing pushing against the odds in, in a sense like i was very 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 blown away with uh, the goldfish, because like you said, I I had my own expectations. I hadn't really found anything uh, in the German comedy realm that I thought this is this is good. This is a bit like more my style. I, I always see the posters for like Lebeke's Junkie and stuff, and I think like I'm never I'm never gonna watch that stuff. So then when there's like, uh, I mean to be fair though, you 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 uh, were recommended through a friend whose taste I trust. You know like oh you got to get Ali on there. You know. And I thought, okay, okay, well, if he says it's good, it's probably really good. And then seeing it, I was still very blown away how much, how much I liked it. Uh, so I, I feel like maybe you are kind of like pushing against the the majority to get um, your type of comedy seen here in Germany by Germans. Do you feel that way? Well, I mean, not willingly. As it's, it's, it's for me, and it's not about to, you know. You know, I'm making comedies. I'm not a revolutionary or anything like that. But you know, I'm I'm just making. <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's just my humor. You know, I'm making comedies that you know that I would right. watch. You know, that I would like. And I think I grew up with, uh, you know, like many people with, you know, American comedies because they're pretty good at it. And there is this tradition of Jewish American. Uh, Thank you. Uh, yeah, Jewish American writing <laughs> writer directors like you know Ernst Lubitsch and Wilder and uh, the Coens or even. Uh, here, uh, Judd Apatow and and people like that. So there is this tradition of of of, of character uh, centric comedies that I really like, and I don't see that much of 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 these comedies around here because it's here it's this uh, it's it's separate. It, there's some sort of weird separation. Either it's like a, a high concept, stupid premise comedy thing that you know in. Uh, or it's a very subtle, uh, humorous thing that, you know, either way, there is no mix of 
having real characters going really wild in comedy set pieces, which I like, like, uh, and which I think we're, we're, you know, American cinema industry is great in to have that kind of combination to, to have really interesting characters put in really, really ridiculous situations, you know, and all in Germany is always like they're <laughs> even when you're developing a story or writing a script, people are like, ah, but that's, but that's like slapstick, isn't it? And they say, yeah, what, what's, what's the problem with slapstick? You know, so what's just, wrong with that? What's wrong with, you know, and everyone's like, you know, when it's aged, uh, when you know people, the same guys look back at Charlie Chaplin and say, wow, he's a master. He was the greatest. And just because, you know, the, the, you know, during the, it's a lot, you know, to, you know, everyone can agree on, uh, on the, you know, comedies that have, proven uh, through time that they're masterpieces but when it's like a uh, current or uh, very uh uh what is how do you, how do you say very yeah, like just a comedy that's like just a, really like a modernized yeah, version yeah, if it's just you know from this time people are very especially with mm -hmm. comedy it usually gets no praise because people are not uh i don't know especially in germany there is uh there is this thing if it's funny it's probably not art thing you know and uh, <laughs> wow wow it's a very interesting perspective because um i think sadly there's a lot of truth about that yeah it is I if it's funny it's probably not art <laughs> oh my god that's amazing and if I'm gonna get a tattoo, and if that. it's black and white, I mean, look at look at the German Academy that that they, uh, I think, during the past uh, ten or eleven years, uh, four of the winners for the best picture were shot in black and white, and there weren't that many nom nominees shot in black and white. So so there's this. On the other hand, there's this, uh, you know. A cliche of uh, uh, what's probably art. So if if it's if if it's funny, it's not. But if right. it's black and white, it probably is. And that's a <laughs> German light culture. Right? Um, doesn't that make it easier for you as a director to have these kind of goals that you can meet or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it seems to be pretty easy to 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 get an award. Like, okay, I know. I just need to do. A black and white movie that's not too funny, and we yeah. should be fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, there are there are buttons that you can push, and I really I really believe it. And I, I you know when I started off making films at the film school, and I was like, okay, like the greatest thing that can happen to you is when you know if your film is selected by a festival, and then uh, because the industry, you know, they're all thinking about money and they're uh, you know commercial and everything and things like that. And I, by time, I learned that you know festivals have it's it's their own industry. You know, it's an industry in itself, and they have like. Uh, it's not like they watch all movies and they say, wow, uh, let's just go by quality. You know, in Cannes, like half of the slots are already mm -hmm. pre-booked, you know, even the film before the films are made. They know uh, that guy, you know, Mike Lee is having a film next year. They don't care what it is. They're going to show it. There's, it's going to be in, the, in competition and something like that. So and, you know, when it comes to film length, I think even the, the industry is more uh, 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 permissive than, than is the um the festivals because like they have these uh rules that if your film is 30 30 minutes and five seconds it can't compete in this short film section because it's only uh up to 30 seconds whereas you know with my producers now if it film is just about a little you know 
like uh, agreed on like 100 minutes, it's now 120 something, they'll say, okay, you know, they don't care. So my feeling is that the film industry- That's amazing. Uh, that the festival industry is, is, yeah, not, you know, that's something I learned. So I don't go after uh, um, f- awards or festivals anymore. I'm just looking, you know, if, if is the film working for, for an audience? You know, if the people who paid, you know, 10 bucks for to see the movie, are they enjoying it? That's that's what it's about, I think. And uh, not really about right. commercial success and not about, you know, awards or anything, just about the people who, you know, spending two hours of the time to, to you know, watch something that you you've created you know and um that's that's all about it that that part that 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 specific mentality about the people you're creating your you know it's funny and it is art the the people you're creating your art for um that is actually a very very similar mentality to to music you know like as an independent musician when i perform at a show i'm trying to make sure that the however many people it is, if it's 10 or if it's 300, if it's whoever has spent the money at the door to come see a good show and have fun and they had to work for this money, they had to get a babysitter, some yeah. of them, they had to, you know, call in favors or try, you know, they had to spend money on dinner. They Maybe they got a nice new outfit to wear out. Like people who spend their money on a, on entertainment yeah, especially uh, as an independent musician, when you're there, you tr- like your goal is to give them the best, most fun, True. most interesting thing that they maybe haven't seen yeah. in a while, or something that they really exactly what they wanted to see. So I can imagine that mentality is very similar with making a film. You want the people who are paying the ticket stub to go in and and forget about their problems for two hours yeah i mean the le- at least not yeah. not to bore them to death you know just being like i'm the great artist and at you, least. Know, you know that's, that's the minimum like just just make it wh- whatever you're doing just make it in some way entertaining you don't you know, have to be yeah. it doesn't have to be funny to be entertaining but it has to be you know some you know you have to give them something you know and uh uh, there right. is, especially during my time in the film film school there was this other mentality like um you know as an artist, you're allowed to challenge your audience. That was like, you know, you, you're you're allowed to bore them to death if that's what you <laughs> intend to, if that's whatever. And I think that the time, you know, and I think it was okay like in the 70s or 80s, but I think times have changed because there's so right. many opportunities around, so many you were, you know, overwhelmed by media. And I think it's it's really hard to get the attention in the first place. And if you do, you have to hold on to it, you know, for uh, with you know just being entertainment. And I think it's it's a challenge today. Is it something to... that bothers you? So, Sorry, is it something that bothers you at times? No, not at all. I mean, I I, I try to you know you, you know when you meet with friends, you know you you do the same thing. You know, you invite someone for dinner. You you know what you do is you don't you don't you know you don't sing or dance with them but you try to be entertaining or at least not boring you know that's what you do you don't some people might <laughs> some people who can sing they you know but I, I i'm speaking for myself of course i would sing if i could but you know but uh you know I, you know people you know that's the that's the minimum i think it doesn't have to be much just be just out, just out of respect for for uh for other people i think it's just mm-hmm. a sign of respect to say, you know, I'm 
I'm trying to entertain you in a way. And I really mean, because entertainment has this, has this, is this label of, you know, it's just pure entertainment and not art and, you know, just, just stupid shit. But I don't mean it in this way. Like it has to be colorful and, you know, um, right. Whatever, but it has to, you know, be some sign of, I'm interested uh, if, as a storyteller or a musician or whatever, if you're bored at this moment or not, you know, you're, are you with me or are right. you not with me? And I think uh, that's what you mentioned in the beginning with, you know, performing for, for digital audience or through zoom or whatever. I think that could be very frustrating before because you don't, you don't get that feedback, you know, is, are the people with you right. uh, or not without that feedback, you're lost. And that's also, you know, that the different difficult part in filmmaking because, you know, you, know, you make your, film and then you send it out and you don't really and you hope and you like, hope to yeah you do of course you do some uh, screen tests and everything with live audiences and to see if it works just a couple of times and you hope that you know all right uh, are you uh do, do, when you're when your films come out do you find yourself on a, a some dark evening sitting in your chair with a whiskey glass and like looking at Google reviews or IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or things like that? Do you find yourself looking at, you know, perusing comments online? Well, no comments. I mean, I, I have a, uh, extension for Safari that, uh, hides comments, which is something that I did. That's amazing. <laughs> because I think, wow. you know, the, the, uh, there's this saying. I think Albert Einstein said something. Uh, he's not sure if the uh, if the universe is infinite, but he's sure that the stupidity of humankind is <laughs> infinite. And I have to think about it when I see the comment section. It's like it makes me sad all the time. Not not you know. It, it doesn't matter which topic you know. Every it's just. People right. have these devices in their hands, you know, and they just don't think about it anymore. You know, you know, you, you know, back in the days yeah. when you wanted to make a public statement, you know, you had to get out of the house, you know. And during the time, you know, when you put your pants on and the shirt on, you you have some, you had some time to think about what you're going to say. You know, it took you at least like right half an hour to get to Hyde Park or whatever you want to shout out your stupid opinion to think about <laughs> it but now it's just uh bleh, you know just send it and it's yeah. just uh, just word vomit yeah. now Dude, it's so it's so much in my, in my job right now from time to time I'm, I'm super happy that it's only like half a day every few weeks but I have to do for the social media accounts of Bayerischer Rundfunk for their sports section like from time to time, I have to do a little bit of community management. And that's something I could not deal with on a daily basis because it's so much. And it, like you said, no matter the topic, yeah, it gets it, it has this dynamic that within a few hours, if the topic is kind of spicy enough to, to trigger any kind of discussion, <laughs> like within 20 minutes, you're from, hey, what you're saying is not right to... Like the to worst really um, racist things, and so yeah, it's it's all it's all it's yeah. all about sexism Absolutely. and racism. Like after twenty minutes, it's uh, it's it's really disgusting. It's crazy. It it really it really is, and I've I've never seen that more prevalent in in more abundance. I'll say than when I started doing um, these uh, like TikTok videos about living in Germany and like kind of talking about German culture and, you know, showcasing 
parts of the language that I find interesting and kind of making like funny videos. I never saw that more, that, that mentality of the commenter than when this started um, taking off because sometimes I'll do a thing where I'm not necessarily being mean. I'm just making a, a, a joke about something that maybe bores me about Germany or something that um, I find silly or different. And like maybe 80% of the time, which I don't even think people need to comment on these things. I could just block it, I guess. But some people say, you know, nice things or like, I like these videos or just, you know, general positivity thing. And the other 20 or 30%, depending on the video, is just so taking it so seriously. Mm. Yeah. And it's not meant to be taken seriously at all. It's so crazy that they blow up and get so passionate about, I said something about like, oh yeah, you know, I like living in Bavaria, but it's a little less um, like spontaneous and exciting as where I come from. But you know, that's not Bavaria's fault. I'm from New Orleans and it has a great culture and it's very exciting. And someone was like, I travel to the US all the time. What culture in New Orleans are you even talking about? <laughs> And part of me was like, okay, I'm going to send this guy a link that... No, 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 just, no. Just ignore it. Ignore it. I mean, yeah. it's like... I don't want to I mean, dig if, a if, hole you know, if you're walking down the street and some, you know, some guy is shouting, you know, Jesus is going to save you or whatever, you know, you, you don't talk back like, no, I don't think so or anything like that. You know, you just, you just ignore <laughs> right. that guy. He's shouting whatever, you know, some stupid shit or whatever. And, you know, it's a funny thing in, in, in the comment section. I find myself having the same urge like, ah, no, I have to, I have to. <laughs> and sometimes I, I post something and delete it a second later just think, what am I doing here? Sure. So it's really, I think it's, it's um, one thing that the world could uh, live without is the comment sections. And I think uh, they have, uh, even in, you know, like proper, you know, like the Zeit or Süddeutsche, even there in the comment sections, it's horrible, you know, what people write there. It's just, I don't know why they have them in the first place. So, but uh, to come back to your question, I do read the reviews, like uh, whatever they did, you know, uh, for journalists, you know, people who are, who are trained to write or take yeah. the time to watch the movie actually before they write something and, you know, and try to, to right. try to find some arguments even if they don't like it. And fortunately with Jotki, we got even better reviews than with, with the Goldfish. I have here, they send me a book. Uh, really? That's awesome. The distributor is a whole, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, it's called Pressespiegel. So it's all the reviews that we got for Jotki and it's, uh, it's, uh, that's insane. Yeah, it's, very satisfying to have that. Um, for, the, for those who can't see, for those who can't see, he just showed me like an enormous Harry Potter book <laughs> full of reviews, <laughs> like this novel of reviews. Yeah. And they're all written the, by J.K. Rowling. Yeah, the press really liked it, and uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that it's going to be a box office hit, as we learned now. So they, you know, the, the sure, press can sure. tear you, tear your movie apart, and it's going to be a box office success, and vice versa. So in this case, we. Uh, we got lucky with the reviews, which, uh, yeah, which gives me some, of course, definitely some but sort it's of a great satisfaction, movie. but um, yeah, we didn't have the luck at the box office this time. Talk about your role in the industry, because what I thought about, um, we mentioned earlier, you both write and direct your the films you have made so far. Like, what did you have to do as a, I don't know how to say, a, a rookie uh, director and and screenwriter coming out of university, like you mentioned, you 
the goldfish developed throughout your last year or so yeah. of university. What did you have to do to make all these people, in the, the people with the money in the industry, give you that trust to direct the screenplays you, you write as a newcomer? Well, with the uh, with the goldfish, I think it that was you know very different. Some you know quite a few steps to 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 get there. And uh, one was you know in the first place always luck. I mean to 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 meet the right person that really likes your writing and you know trusts in you. Because in the beginning, you know you don't have a perfect screenplay. You don't you don't have some bits and pieces that are working great, but you need someone you know, uh, along the way and by your side to, to, you know, have the trust and, you know, also pays you enough to, to, you know, so you can pay your rent and continue writing. And that was the, you know, to get there with a good screenplay that everyone liked. And it was really amazing to see with the goldfish that, that screenplay was like a door opener for it, uh, for everything, you know, the financing was just, you know, took a couple of days, like it felt like that. And the casting, you know, we had, Everyone we asked to come to casting came, and uh, it was amazing to see how how a you know apparently a well-written script can do for a for a rookie like my like myself. When it came to to directing, it was a different thing because I've I'd done some you know forty-five minutes as was my like longest uh, uh, um, uh, film that I've done that i had done in the university but they said well like the tonality is kind of different it would it wasn't like full-on comedy what you what you did so far so we came out we came with the idea uh justina my producer and i because she really wanted me to, to direct this uh she was i think also afraid of someone else coming along and fuck really fuck it up or <laughs> something in a way <laughs> so she really really wanted me to direct this and we made a short film with like I think two two thousand euros, um, where I played myself and she even played herself, and we made fun of our situation that I am trying to convince other producers to trust me to direct this movie. So that was what ah. the, that the short film was about: this convincing others that I'm funny enough to direct this movie. And of course, uh, <laughs> Can we see I, was, that? <laughs> I was trying to get to a meeting to convince him and everything went wrong. So I wasn't in my character was not funny at all. But the things that happened to me uh, were quite funny. And also there were two scenes that were quite similar to two scenes in the actual script. So it was my way to show that's how I would um, approach the, um, you know, directing and blocking or whatever. Uh, when it uh, if they, right if they and it was quite successful so they laughed a lot I think it was like a 10 or 15 minutes uh, thing or even shorter I don't know and uh, they really liked it and they said okay this guy can also direct funny. that's interesting you know, that's because it's not necessarily that's interesting yeah. but great idea of yours um, as well <laughs> to to promote yourself yeah yeah, yeah absolutely um, I had I had a few uh, just a few more questions about uh, the the process of of before we before we uh, ended or before we move on mm -hmm. too much. Um, so one question I wanted to ask about was what was the the casting process like for you? Because obviously um, there you, you shared a very very funny actor from the Goldfish who also played one of the friends of the of Tim mm -hmm. in this film. Is that correct? The one who had the allergy? yeah Axel Stein yeah and then. Right, he was fantastic, and then of course, the uh, the the three leading ladies 
um, you know, are, are they inspired from real women in your life? How did you, how did you land upon them and say the, this is my, my Yasmin, this is my Gina, this is my Anna, this is yeah. for sure. Well, know, I mean, the, the dynamic of, of the, the, the trio here is, a, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a common thing in comedies to have that's, you know, the trio is, I think is older than cinema itself. Uh, like, uh, yeah. you have that. <laughs> the holy trinity. Yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to, your, your, uh, your main character and you have a, you know, sidekick that's, uh, quite the, the opposite and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I was, I think the, the, an influence was the trio in The Big Lebowski. There was always the dynamic I was thinking about when I was thinking about these three girls. And I wanted to do a female version of that, The Big Lebowski trio here. And I think, uh, <laughs> Gina is, is more like the John Goodman character. That's uh, amazing. And, uh, really loud and yeah. some, you know, very, uh, uh, acting upon, you know, uh, values and rules and something like she's that. she's a loose cannon yeah kind yeah of. and yasmin is kind of tr tries to just get things done doesn't care how or whatever and and, and you have that pale comic relief character the the, the you know the 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 this fifth sort of the dummy the, yeah and the, which is anna which is um yeah, that was the, the sort of dynamic I was looking for. And uh, I knew that it's not about, you know, casting the right characters, but casting the right trio. So we had a lot of great actresses for, yeah. for each role, but it was more about how how they, you know, come together. And like the chemistry, the chemistry was very important yeah. in this case. And because it's about friendship at the end, this is really the what you know yeah. the, this, the, the subject here is this friendships and it's about these three friends here. And I remember the first time uh, these three actresses came in the same room for casting. They didn't even, you know, they didn't, they hadn't even done a scene yet. Uh, but I knew this is gonna be the the main cast of the film because suddenly something you you saw them walk in and instantly it you just know something made sense. something changed in the room as they you know they came in and it was a different feeling it was not like okay three actresses standing around but you know you had the feeling there was some sort of connection here and um i think even this some sort of friendship formed uh, uh, through their work on, on this film and you really can't feel it because they they really they weren't there you know it was we shot during the pandemic so they had to stay in munich uh even over the weekends and they spent really every minute together even if they in the in the free time and it was really great to see how the you know how the how the chemistry is doing so much not only for for the film but also for the working environment uh, and on the sets it was um it was we got just lucky in this case but we had i i, I was stressed because we had a lot of Great actresses for each role, uh, but it's not about you know. Yeah, there must have been uh, very difficult finding the to best actress, narrow it down. Uh, but, but finding the best chemistry in this case. Yeah, but does 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 that happen more often, or how likely is that to happen? Because I I know it from from playing music with other people in bands, etc. Yeah, but how likely is it to happen that um, like people build real personal connections, relationships on a film set? Well, you don't know, but I think it's, 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 you never know. I mean, we, we were lucky because they could also said, you know, reading, they could have read the script and say, no, I don't want to come to the casting or anything like that. So you, you don't know, but I think that's one part is luck. The other part is being open to, uh, vibes like that, you know, is what I mean? So to look for it. And I always look, it's, you know, it's, I'm not looking that much for, 
is this a good actor or actress or how did he, you know, uh, act out that line or whatever, but I'm looking for, is there chemistry also between me and, and the actor or actress? So if, if there is some sort of connection between, you know, if I like someone and I like some, some other guy or whatever, there is the probability that they're gonna like each other in a way is is high i think so so always in the first place go for do i like that person uh really as a person and um, i always cast people who i really also like so i wouldn't go so if someone came along was just you know tremendous do a tremendous scene in the casting but it was you know some some kind of asshole i never uh, could never you know, cast that person. In the right. I couldn't work with some. I can't work. No. I can't imagine working with someone I can't respect. And I think um, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So that I think uh, is there. So through that is the probability is higher that you find people that actually they find a chemistry you know, on set. Because I find that interesting. Making a movie that is about friendship in the end, yeah. if that depends a little bit on is the director and the people making this film are they're able to to create these kind or at least a sense of these kind of relationships that should um be um visible yeah. for for the viewers at the end well i mean but at the end you never know i mean i've heard stories about i think what's his what's his very uh, notting hill I think with Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts, oh, yeah. I think I've heard stories that they really hated each other and that Julia <laughs> Roberts were like yeah. very difficult on, on set during filming. But that's something, you know, you don't really see. So you see that you watch the film and you go like, oh, my God, they really love each other. And there's this kind of, you know, it's always possible. I don't think it's it's necessarily, you know, it's it's just my approach. And I think I, I personally find it difficult to to create, the, you know, that kind of of a big lie <laughs> if i see that yeah. they really hate right. each other and then uh, go action and then you know if they're professional enough um you of course you can make it and you know the audiences can't tell and i and i think that a lot of people can't tell if you know there were good chemistry on set or not because i think there could be cases of people really having a great time on set but you know it's not on the screen you know and people don't don't really mm -hmm. see it or feel it so it's it's Two things. So it, it, I, I personally uh, feel that it helps having that chemistry in the first place, and from that create through yeah. tools and through style and whatever the the friendship that's on the screen. Because you can't just rely just on the fact that you know the actresses like each other. You know that's not gonna be enough right. for the film. And it, and like and in general, like from from the beginning of that process, finding the the golden trio. And then, of course, finding the some of the smaller roles, like Tim's friend group, and and then you know the smaller roles from there. How long was that process, and was it as long as the Goldfish casting, or shorter? It was shorter because our whole uh, uh, you know uh, plan was a bit shorter. So you know because um, I had a, in okay. this case a really great uh, casting director, Daniela Tolkien. Uh, who came up with great ideas for for uh, yeah for yeah each role actually, and I was really really pleased, especially with the with the minor characters and you know smaller parts in the film because they ran you know 
they're underestimated you know it's like someone a character comes in a scene and has just one or two lines they really can fuck up the whole movie you know you can do people have, oh, yeah. have they focus on the main characters and they do you know a lot of they spend a lot of time in casting those main characters and they say okay that guy just is like two lines and i'm like no 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 you know just just, just get it you know do a proper casting because uh whatever your main character is doing you know she can't be great but if if there's some disbelief in that other guy with just his two lines you know the whole scene crumbles you know it goes like there's nothing yeah. left in it so it's really important and i really and really sometimes in love with my with my you know actors who come just for a day to play a part and i'm so thankful when they do a great job and i, I think we had a couple of those in in, in uh, jka uh, especially at the end with the with the wedding, there's this guy who sits next to Yasmin who really gets on her nerves and so on. He did a great job, or even uh, Jakob Gessner who played He's perfectly yeah, casted. Yeah, played, he was perfectly yeah. casted. So I was really happy with him, and he was so believable. That that yeah. type of guy is yeah. very very believable yeah. and very real. <laughs> yeah. Um, without spoiling too much about it, um, and did you work with the same? DP as the first film? Yes, Matthias Fleischer. And also the same uh, art director, uh, uh, Josef Brande. And the same art director. I remember in our first conversation about the goldfish a few years back, I talked, I had it in my notes about how uh, like colorful and like quite saturated it is. Uh, And I felt, and I thought you might have worked with the same people again. I didn't think to look at the, the credits after, but um it, it felt the same way. Like there's some some shots where they're on the beach and they have their their bright coats and the and the dresses. And I think I thought this is so like what's I, I don't know what the right word like I don't want to say like it's just colorful, but it's just like <laughs> it's very vibrant. Yeah. And I wow. thought he must have worked with the same guy because that's like if you're looking for your um, your visual flavor because your writing flavor is your humor, but if you're looking for your visual like mark or watermark i Mm. think it might be the way that these two films look because they do have this distinct uh color palette to them it it seems like well that's something that we really work hard on with with you know uh, with the costume department the, the art department and with the you know camera department it's really you know tight collaboration to and you know since we're not after you know going for awards we really like working with colors i guess so so we really go there and and (laughs) think okay so how can we be as you say vibrant and and colorful but just not you know put every you know it doesn't matter what but but not like yeah and 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 i want to be clear it's not like unnecessarily or that it takes me out of the story it's just i'm that's just something I notice. Yeah, and yeah. It, I just thought, oh, that must have been the same guy. It looks great, you know? Yeah, we do a lot of tests before we start shooting with with colors and, and tones and with costumes and how to, you know, um, uh, to find the right balance that it doesn't feel like, okay, they painted all the walls here just just to have that green in the, in the picture. But it's uh, it feels, you know, we hope it feels uh, it has some sort of identity without be you know the, you know it does without, you know having the feeling that it was imposed on characters or anything. So it really also work from the character's point of view. Would they wear that kind of jacket or uh, this color right. and that? And I think in this case, the jackets were like the starting point and said, okay, let's go for that. 
uh, metallic, uh, yeah. like drive kind of a <laughs> look, just, just, just for, yeah. you know, other context here. But, uh, from, from there we, we, you know, continued and developed our color palette for, for this film. That's something I've, I would, um, oh, go ahead. That's no. something I have so much respect for, like the looks and the, the colors of basically any footage that's being put out from yeah. the perspective as me as a journalist video journalist mm. i also um shoot and edit own footage for for journalistic pieces i do for for tv or, or youtube or whatever and then i learned some basics about color grading and then you're editing your piece and you're getting to color grading and start to play around and it's yeah. so easy if you want a strong vibrant colorful look to ruin everything yeah it's such it's such a there's such a fine line of just throwing in too much of everything and that's not even being in a situation where you think about how does the the set look where I shoot because you're just shooting where you have to go to do interviews or whatever, but just by color grading you can, you can ruin mm -hmm. everything so fast. And I have so much respect for for thoughtful, fine craft being being shown there. And that's what well, I see in your yeah. movies. No, thank you. I mean, the, 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 it's harder if there is, it's, you know, because you can't take out color, taking out color is always easier. And if you're going for a color, colorful look or a vibrant look, you re, you have to be really careful what's in the picture because you can't do much about it uh, in, in post-production. So uh, you have to have your vision really beforehand and be on the set to say, okay, this you know, and if if this film has its identity, you know, even you know, if you've seen someone serves a cocktail with the wrong color, you go like, no, 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 it should be, <laughs> it has to be a different cocktail. Yeah, it has yeah. to be like whatever swimming pool or anything. But that kind of yellow doesn't fit, you know. So it's really about also, yeah. you know, what you know the the small things because they're gonna be big on the screen, you know, and they they matter at the end. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I would have I would have one more question, and then uh, before we let you go, I would tell you just two or three of my favorite favorite things about the movie. Um, but my last question uh, that I have written down, at least. So uh, I I know your your composer Carlos Sipa, yes, yes, and he's a very very extraordinarily talented pianist. Uh, he writes great original music. He worked, he works on film. I think he's, this is the second time he's worked yes, with yeah, you. Is that yeah. right? But uh, probably before that as well. And, um, I, I know a lot of people that he's worked for and with, and I've met him several times. Very nice guy. Um, I have a question about the music on this film, because something that really stuck out to me, and I want to know what your reasoning was behind this. Um, maybe he pitched it and you said, that's great. And I wanted to know why. So uh, what happens throughout the film quite a lot, and even until the very end, is that he takes um, basically like the the famous classical music piece for Elise, and he readjusts it into a, a, a new modern uh, arrangement. Mm -hmm. which is such a really unique thing to do because you have this very famous piece. Mm -hmm. So you think it's going, and da -na 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 -na. you think it's going there. And then he makes it into something else that's, you know, maybe more uh, a different key yeah. or it's emotional. It matches this scene or that scene. And then in the credits, in the very end, obviously it's, it's the original piece that's playing. And so my, my question was, what was the, you know, his, you know, feelings behind that choice? You know, did he pitch that to you? 
did you have a, a conversation about okay, why are we taking this song and morphing it around, yeah. or you know, what was the what was the conversation behind the music? Well, it's important to to um, point out a scene in the film for the listeners here to 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 be able to follow our reasoning for for the for the choice. There is a scene after after the bride to be in, in the beginning is being picked up by her husband and leaving her own hand party where the three girls. Uh, are in a uh, you know small kasheme as we say or a small bar where you know like the last people you know the last uh, refuge a very small bar where they are and they're uh, trying to cancel their plane tickets and they're on the on hold on the phone and it's uh, it's this uh, how do you call it? What Warteschleife in the uh, waiting, waiting. They're in this uh, on this wait, waiting waiting line, line yeah. for for the airline, and uh, trying to reach someone. At the same time, the uh, one, the other character is uh, daydreaming and talking about you know finding someone for as a partner for life. So this is this where this two you know this simple. Uh, waiting for someone uh, on the phone at for the uh, airline support line uh, correlates with finding someone in life. So there is we had that mm -hmm. was our starting point. We wanted to have that melody that's overused in uh, waiting lines when you when you call a support line and uh, in a short moment someone will be there for ah. you. And there is this melody and one very overused uh, melody and um, is Beethoven's for Elise. And uh, actually, we didn't start there. We wanted to create our own uh, melody for for the su for That's the support line. And Carlos had done some really ter terrific uh, job on that already. But it felt like too, um, yeah, too sophisticated what he had done. And as, and you know, late, quite late in the project, we, he said, "You know what? Let's just go for for Elisa in this scene." And during that scene, we start as for Elisa, but but somehow as as we get lost with the characters in the horror scenario, what could happen if they never find someone in their lives? They are like the the melody or the notes kind of start to elevate and you know lose their lines, and it becomes more transcendent, something like that, and it goes back again to being for Elisa. Just for a mm -hmm. moment, we we leave that. Uh, uh, you know, classic uh, overheard and overused. Uh, yeah, and we said, okay, from then, yeah, it, it like breathes out. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. for just for a moment, but it is for Elisa. Uh, it is introduced as for Elisa in the support uh, hotline for the airline. Right, and from from there, we we or Carlos uh, developed the the melody. Uh, you know, it doesn't repeat that much. I think they're just. Three other cues in the in the in the whole movie where where you where you hear uh, a variation of 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 Elise, right? And yeah, towards the end, yeah. And, and we yeah. we thought it would be great as a result uh, to to listen to Elise in the credits, but is it, it uh, like it feels that you're listening to it for the first time? Because if you listen to music that's overused huh. and you don't really you don't really hear the music anymore, and that's what I what we all feel right. with for Elisa, because it's like da 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 da, and you know you think of piano lessons or 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 whatever, or being stuck in an elevator, but you don't really listen to the music. But I think 
Carlos really managed right. to have that feeling through the variations of Furious throughout the film that when at the end of the credits, the original piece is uh, played by Carlos himself, you really feel the music. And this, that's at least how I felt. I was like, oh my God, this is a beautiful piece, you know, of, of, of piano music that was yeah, he plays destroyed so by, by piano students. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, with it. Uh, that's, that's super, that's a really creative choice. I, I, I tried to figure it out, but, uh, in the end I just had to ask, but it really, it really does make sense. It really fits. And it's a, it's a cool idea. And he's, he, he's a beautiful, uh, he's a beautiful man. He's a, he plays beautifully. He's very talented. He is, yeah. He's a very talented guy. Actually, I, I, I met um, him first for Moritz, uh, Binder's, uh, film. He, he did, he, uh, composed, um, his short film called Thumb. He did. Was it? And it was, yeah. Thumb, yeah, right. Yeah. Thumb's great. He wrote, he wrote some pieces for that and it was extraordinary. It was, a, you know, I've never heard such a complex, uh, score for a, a film uh for you know university film university short film it was just and i said like this guy's right. really uh, going somewhere and, and uh, i also like working with him because absolutely he is he is this you know classical deep piano guy but he's very humorous so i'm, I'm glad he's he's willing to work with me and it's like stupid comedies like this <laughs> but but no, he, no, no, but he's really no, no, he's no. really uh he's really uh as a has you know has a good sense of humor which is important for you know working in something like that that has both you know the comedy and also yeah. the serious tones for those who want to check out uh his music you should go to spotify and type in carlos c-a-r-l-o-s and then Sipa, C-I-P-A. He has some beautiful original pieces up there you should check out. Um, okay, so here at the end, because I, I know we've had you for a long time. I appreciate you spending so much time with us today. Um, I wanted to tell you a few of my favorite things about it. Um, first off, my favorite line from the movie. Some miss out on their whole lives because they're afraid of missing out. Mm -hmm. That is a great line. I don't know how it was said in German, but the translation is so beautiful. And some miss, some miss out on their whole lives because they're afraid of missing out. I really like that. And that really stuck with me. Um, was that one of those uh, lines that you wrote and thought, "Ooh, that's mm, that's little, that's the golden ticket." Well, I'm I'm always know, a bit something that. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. No, I think it. I think it's even a bit better in you know in in English in this case because it, it rhymes a bit. In German, it's uh, I, uh, what's in German? It's it's, it's uh, aus Angst was zu verpassen verpassen manche ihr ganzes Leben is is the German uh, phrasing, which also works good. But I, I'm I'm always when I write something like that which is a could be like on a calendar thing <laughs> like a quote on a calendar right like a life lesson yeah like a life lesson i'm like nah delete it and I'm like nah, nah, nah. this is this is something maybe maybe too preachy or anything like that but it it was it just you know was just right for that moment and that scene so i i i, yeah. I left it in so i think you know that's you know usually people don't talk uh like prophets or you know <laughs> i like characters who, right. who struggle for you know to find the right words like i do all the time because that's more relatable i'm always really you know when i see characters who are too fluent or you know come up with you know, great lines every two seconds i'm like okay i don't i can't really re relate to that character but that's just one right. moment for the main character where she has some it's an empowering moment for her too because she's you know suffered enough throughout the movie and now she has Totally, yeah. 
Um, and another one was, uh, I believe it's the same character earlier in the film, talks about how much she hates raclette nights. And if she gets invited to one more raclette evening, she's going to kill herself <laughs> or something like that. And I paused it and was like, I know, that's exactly how I feel about every raclette night. I hate raclette. I don't get the trend. Everyone invites us to do raclette. And I always want to say no. And we had a big laugh about that. Like, wow, that's real. That's like, yeah. that was totally me. I hate Raclette Nights. And then, uh, so it was two two last things. One, I think the wedding uh, was just a great climax. I don't want to spoil what happens or who does what there, but it escalated in a great way, and I think it ends in a big way, and it was a really exciting uh, sequence for the climax. Um, and then my favorite favorite moment, um, also without spoiling anything, was, was after that, um, as the very very end before she runs into this uh this philip guy um when gina and jasmine just put their heads against each other um as a way of like forgiving and showing love again and it's so trusting Mm. of each other and it's so warm and innocent and loving and it was a really well extremely well executed moment and i i I have to to. I mean, no, thank yeah, you. I can't thank do what you, you do. I'm just saying, like, that's a great moment. Thank you, thank you very much. I mean, we really worked hard on that moment because you know it's a, it's a, it's a moment where it's it's quite visual because when they put their heads together, they don't say anything. So it's really about also camera angle and you know shapes and composition and the lighting and everything. I think every the shadow and also and the music and everything comes together at this moment. And also 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 the acting of, of the, the two protagonists here. It's, uh, I really like that shot too. But we knew, uh, I told Matthias, my DOP, that uh, just like half an hour before shooting this, Seen and said, "This is gonna. This has to be the most beautiful shot in the whole movie." And it was like, "Oh, okay." Is <laughs> <laughs> that like okay, uh, so? Uh, the, the assistant director came. So we were about to start in twenty minutes. He said, "No, give me forty minutes then." <laughs> so I need to adjust the lighting a bit more, and uh, he did, and it was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, uh, yeah man. Uh, so the movie is JGA, Jungsan Abschied, and uh, it's out of theaters now, but hopefully soon will be on a streaming platform. Um, I had the pleasure of being able to watch it. So thank you again for that. And uh, Ali, as always, man, we are so thankful for your time and for your insight. And I hope that we can see each other soon, even outside the show. Yeah. And just have a beer and keep talking about film and music, man. It's that's the dream. Yeah, it's always a pleasure too. To uh, thanks for having me and uh, had a great time. It's really nice to talk uh, talk to you guys. <laughs> I just want to say thank you, Ali, for showing us again that even in Germany, film can be both funny and art, <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> thank you very much oh we have to end it with that (laughs) oh my god uh all right guys let's let's um we'll stop recording here and then we can just talk for a second at the end but guys thank you so much for listening go check out uh the goldfish had the first uh not not the debut film from ali it was an assignment but of course it was like the first big movie um go check it out and yes thank you for listening and we'll be back next week say bye everybody bye bye Saints are coming through And it's all over now, baby blue
Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.